Good morning. How's everyone today? Yeah, you don't seem convinced. Just came off of Thanksgiving. I'm sure y'all like kind of in the whole like stupor of eating too much turkey. Uh, we had two turkeys and a ham at our place. I think our eyes were bigger than our uh, stomachs in a little bit, a little bit. But we did smoke one turkey out, outside in the smoker, and so and I wanted a turkey. The smell in the house, um, and actually I didn't realize. So we had one of these foil pans. And just can I give you a bit of just turkey? Can I just totally no pastoral? Just, this, this is just a help to you on Thanksgiving. If you ever use one of the foil pans, maybe you all know this. I didn't. I'm going to put water in it next time to make sure that there's no mini, like tiny little hole in it. Because my turkey, the juice was leaking down into the bottom of the oven. And, you know, it's like, somebody's like, what's that smell? You know, and it's like, oh, we opened, there's a little bit of smoke, you know. And we're like, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden it's like more and more. And I shut the oven off and it's just billowing out. We've got all the windows. We're like evacuating the baby and the dogs and everything else. And so my turkey filled the house with a smell for sure. Um, but it wasn't quite the smell. We, we did manage. We caught it soon enough. The turkey tasted great. We maybe, maybe had two smoked turkeys instead of one uh, in that case. But um, yeah, so do that. I would encourage you all to make sure you check your pan, those little pans before you actually put your full faith in them. Um, but I do hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and it is great to see all of you. Just want to welcome you. I want to welcome everyone watching online as well. And for those of you who may be new, uh, I'm, uh, my name is Del. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to have you. Um, just one quick uh, thing to wrap up our November season here. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up our, our Count Me In, uh, which is those blue envelopes. And again, that's just a way for us to kind of close the gap a little bit as we approach the end of the year. Um, this is, I hate to say it's typical, but there's usually a little dip and then it kind of will go up towards the end of the year. But we really want to finish this year well. And how you finish this year really sets you up on how you start next year. So just want to encourage you, if you're going to give towards that, please make sure you do so today so we can close out um, all of that uh, by the end of the month. Uh, we appreciate your uh, faithfulness and support in that. So it seems pretty crazy today. I don't know about you, but it, it, because it, this is so close to Thanksgiving, right? It's just like we just finished Thanksgiving. I think all of our, you know, the stores and everything else really help us to shift gear. It's like, like little magic fairies come in or something, and all of a sudden you go from like Thanksgiving to just full Christmas the next day. Um, did anybody do any Black Friday shopping? Any diehard early yeah, not so many anymore. I, I don't go out. I don't know if it's because of the online, you know, capabilities now where we can do that online. And, but we used to do it all the time, you know, when we were uh, first married. Uh, you know, it would be go to sleep, you wake up, still dark outside, you've got like your map of all the stores, you know, you're going to divide and conquer. And now it's like, that doesn't sound fun at all to me. I'd rather sleep and I'll get up with my coffee and sit down on my computer and click all my Christmas gifts, you know. It's a lot easier that way. Um, but yeah, it's just really amazing, though, how we're just so quickly into this Christmas season, into the season of Advent. Um, and so, you know, today we are kicking off our series for, uh, for Christmas and for Advent. And, you know, it's, it's called He Shall Be Called. And, and we're going to go through each of these names over the next four weeks um, because each name is, is important. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Jesus is, is all of these things. And, you know, when we think about a name, right, um, I'm not going to ask you how many people have names in here because we all have a name, right? 
You were named uh, at birth, probably most of us anyway, hopefully. Um, how many of you really stressed out over naming your son or daughter? Like, did you, did you have a hard time? Was there any, like, marital disputes or anything? Or you guys all just had it down? Really? Okay. Yeah, you guys, wow. God bless you. Um, you know, we weren't quite that, uh, for the most part, we would agree. Sometimes we'd agree on the first name, but not the second name. Or um, I think it worked out where I, for, the, for Isaac, the first son, I got the first name. She got the middle name. Then we switched for Noah. Then after that, I think it was like the wheel we'd spin or something and just pick whatever. But it's kind of stressful. And I don't know, I'm, I'm interested though, and I don't, I don't want to unpack this too much or like do a huge survey. But because I just wonder like if people really think anymore, if they, they really put a lot of thought into the meaning of the name versus just like, hey, let me look at the top 10 names. I like that name. Let's go with that. Or maybe, I'm not going to say show of hands. How many of you, you know, maybe some of you were named after like uh, a, a person in the family, a family member, right? Maybe a few of you. Or perhaps, um, I've even heard, and this is crazy, the city that you were conceived in. Nobody? No. Okay. There's actually people that, yeah, that was, that was what I'm like, I'm, at, I'm thinking to the parents, like, who in the world would come up, would name their child, like, okay, yeah, that was, no, that's not okay. That's actually not a little better, a little better planning on that. But there's just lots of uh, background in where names come from, right? And when we, you know, when we name a child or name our, our, our son or daughter, and to think about what that name means is really important. And, you know, I, I think of my kids. For example, Isaac, his name means laughter. And sorry, but I don't mean to, they're all in here today. So, but he, he's got like one of the best laughs, especially when he was a kid. He would just laugh. I was going to show a video, but I won't do that today. You know, he just has this, this contagious laugh. It just makes you laugh, you know. And it's just interesting how his name means laughter, and then he's got this amazing laugh. Um, Noah means rest, which Noah, if you've ever met him, is probably one of the most chill people you'll ever meet. Um, he's just relaxed. He's kind of the peacemaker in the house. And so that's kind of funny. Joshua, which comes from um, the, the same place where Jesus comes from, and it means uh, may Jehovah may Jehovah help him. And I think they got that one wrong, though, because I feel like it should be, may Jehovah help us. Um, he, you know, as you know, uh, he's a bit of a handful. Um, and then, interestingly enough, Levi, our newest little guy, uh, he means united and joined. And it's pretty incredible. Again, he's still young, but just how, you know, our kids are really handsome. He's really, in a lot of ways, brought our family kind of together. Um, and we'll see if that lasts. Hopefully, God willing, it will. But it's just very intriguing, though, right? Like, his names have meanings. And I don't know if we always think about it, but names matter. And, you know, as we approach this series, as we approach kind of this thought, as we go through these, these names given to Jesus, we really want to stop and kind of unpack each one because why they have deep meaning to them. You know, God could have named Jesus, he could have applied any names, right? But he chose these specific ones, and so I think it's important that we go ahead and, and, and jump in and, and really take a look. So um, today is going to be a little bit of heavy lifting because we're starting the series, and so we want to give some, some background, some context to what's going on, and then that'll carry us into all the, the rest of the weeks that we're doing this. So if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah. And, you know, we heard that the verse quoted that's very familiar from, from chapter 9 today, but we're going to back up to chapter 7 just to kind of give us a, a little bit of an idea of what's happening and in Isaiah chapter 7, and, and beginning in verse 1, um, 
In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Arezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz uh, and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Now, be thankful you didn't have to come up here and read all these names, right? Because they all have meanings too, but they're kind of fun to say. But what we see happening here is we want to look at uh, this King Ahaz, right? King Ahaz. And it is, it is around the time of 730 BC. That's a, a long, long time ago. Um, and King Ahaz is the king of Judah. Again, Judah or Israel had split into two, the north and the southern, and, and they've got two kings. And this, um, these, these uh, Syria and Ephraim are the, the ten northern tribes of Israel. They were revolting against their captor, Assyria. Okay? And basically what they're trying to do is they're f- trying to force King Ahaz into, to join them in this revolt. And he's not sure he doesn't want to do that. So then basically they're starting to get to the point where, well, we're going to... Well, if we have to, we'll remove you as king, and we'll put our own king in there and, and get this cooperation happening. And so he's kind of trembling here because these armies are mounting. And, you know, God tells Ahaz, and this is through the prophet Isaiah, um, that he doesn't need to worry about this and tells him to ask for any sign in verse 11 to prove that what is being said is true, what God is saying is true. So, so cut, catch what's going on here. So, again... You've got an army, armies outside your door, so to speak. And this prophet comes, Isaiah comes, and, and God is speaking through him. That's how God would speak to his people, uh, was through prophets. And, and, and again, Isaiah is telling him, God's saying, you don't need to worry about it. But then God gives him the opportunity to say, tell me what sign you want, and, and, and I'll give you that sign so that you know that this is legitimate. Right? How many of you here would love that option, when you're asking God for something, or God, is this really you? How many, you can show your hands on this one. I think pretty much the whole room, most of you, right? But it's like, God, you know, yeah, we always ask for that. Show, give me a sign. Give me the neon sign in the sky, right? That's, that's what we, you know, we still walk it out. But here God is giving him this opportunity. But for some reason, King Ahaz says he, he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. And I'm going to park that question just for a moment. I want to do some more unpacking, and then we're going to kind of come back around to, to why wouldn't King Ahaz say, yeah, I, do this. You know, when you read through this, the passage there, I mean, it's like whatever from the highest high to the lowest low you can think of, whatever that is, ask, and I will show you that, that this is me speaking. And, you know, one of the struggles here that's happening, and I think if, if we're, if we really kind of put ourselves in this or we look at it in, in, in an honest way is King Ahaz was beginning to trust the power of man over the power of God, all right? When he's looking, and again, most of us have never had an army standing outside our door, so to speak, but in that situation, in the physical, what he could see, he's feeling that stress, he's feeling that pressure, and so again, he's trying to think of, well, what where's my strength or where's our military or how can we, if we're not strong enough, how can we ever stand up against this army that's mounting outside? And I think oftentimes for ourselves, we can also fall into that same trap, can't we? We can get so caught up in what we're seeing 
We can get so caught up in, in what we can put our hands on, what we can touch, and the power or control that we have or think we have, that we forget that we serve a God who can do anything. We serve a God who is truly ruler over all. And so, you know, I think before we judge King Ahaz too harshly, we need to put ourselves in his shoes and think about where we might be. And so, what does God do? King Ahaz says he doesn't want anything, and again, we'll come back to that soon. But then in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, God goes, he goes ahead and, 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 and the, he, he basically gives, here's, here's going to be your sign. This is the sign that I will send. And he says in 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, this should ring some bells for all of us in here. This is probably every Christmas play you've ever been at or been a part of or seen. Usually this is read, and it comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And if you remember, it's when uh, the angel comes to Joseph and tells him about Mary, he quotes this directly, doesn't he? He says the exact same thing. And so, you know, some of you here maybe are starting to do the math, right? That, okay, hang on a second. Jesus is a sign, but Jesus didn't come for seven, eight hundred years, till seven hundred, eight hundred years later. <laughs> you think King Ahaz was still hanging around then, like sitting there waiting, oh, where's my sign? No, there's something else here, and this is, uh, this is where we kind of need to unpack and, and deep dive a little bit, just to give you some understanding that, about prophecies and things and when they happen. Um, and so what happens is, is, is a lot of times with prophecy, it comes, and there's usually an initial partial fulfillment, if you will, that, that points to its ultimate fulfillment in the future, okay? That's the short version. Now, let's kind of unpack this a little more. Um, if you have your Bibles there, you can turn to verse 16. Um, otherwise, I'll just kind of uh, quote it or get it for you. It's verse 16. When you get there, it starts to talk about, and it says that before the boys of age, where he knows good from evil, which is estimated around 12 to 14 years old, that those intending to harm Ahaz would be wiped out. And again, math here comes in, you're like, wait a second. So what does this prophecy mean then? Because again, as I said, Jesus wasn't coming for seven centuries still. And the way the answer comes in actually in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 3. And this is what it says. And, and it says, and I, and it's Isaiah talking about himself, went to the prophetess and she conceived and bore a son. Now, again, is this son Emmanuel? No, so this is not God being born. This is not God in the form of man. This is, this is something else, but it's something that's pointing us to the ultimate promise. And again, it's, it's very common for these things to happen. It's always, um, Scripture's always giving us kind of foreshadows of what's to come, right? When we look at Moses, for example, Moses went in and he went into Egypt. He was, you know, God sent him to Egypt. To what? To lead the children of Israel out. In Egypt represents the world. Moses was Jesus, or represented Jesus. He wasn't Jesus. He represented Jesus. Goes into the world to bring the world out to go where? To, to the promised land, right? And that's, that was showing Jesus coming for us, coming into the world, not just kind of scooping in, but he came into the world, right? And he, he is leading us out from the world, from our sin, into eternity with him into the promised land, right? 
So there's, there's a foreshadowing that's taking place, and that's the same thing that's, that's uh, happening here. And so here we see this, this foreshadow and a partial fulfillment through the birth of this boy, but it is ultimately pointing to the ultimate boy that was coming, Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And again, we need to remember that, that, that when Jesus came, and, and we sing that song today, Emmanuel, we talked about Emmanuel, and Emmanuel means God with us. And that's something for us to, that we need to be reminded of today. That, that God came and God was with us and is with us even today. And so let's now kind of hold some of these thoughts and hold, hold all of this. And we're going to um, just pray right now. And then we're going to go in further into scripture as we continue to unpack um, the, uh, the, what we have in store for today. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, again, that you... Um, you could have intervened in many other ways, but you chose to, to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, meaning you are present and amongst us and living with us, Lord God. And so we are grateful that we serve a God who, who knows us and, and who has walked with us. And so, Lord, we thank you uh, again for that thought today. I thank you for your word today. Um, Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is at work. And so, God, we pray this would come alive, that it would speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, so we've done a little bit of unpacking here, and we're going to kind of move into now um, what we're going to get into in this series of these, these four names for God, uh, for Jesus, and that was assigned to him. And specifically, we're going to talk about Wonderful Counselor. But we're going to read that section of, of Scripture that was read with the lighting of the candle um, in, in a little bigger context. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and move over to chapter 9 now. So we've gone 7, 8, now chapter 9. And I would encourage you to go, go jump into this this week. You know, open your Bibles, get into the Word, get into Isaiah, and, and read through some of this so you can really fully understand, because we just don't have the time on a Sunday morning to unpack everything. But it's really good to understand the context and what's, what all is going on. And so Isaiah chapter 9, and beginning in verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Uh, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. Uh, they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, uh, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his, sorry, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as many as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping, tramping warrior in battle tumult and every uh, garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And here comes the familiar passage. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and, and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so... Again, we see these, these four names assigned, these, these four um, um, descriptions, really, of God's character. Again, going back to what we talked about at the beginning about what a name means. That you know, it's, it's more than just a name, but there is a meaning behind it. And so this first name, um, Wonderful Counselor, um, some translations, if you read the King James, I think there's a couple other ones, um, they, they chose to put a comma between Wonderful and Counselor to say that it's two separate words. Um, but... 
most scholars agree that those words should be together. It shouldn't just be wonderful and counselor, it should be wonderful counselor. And so that's the approach that we're going to take to name today. But re remember, though, that, that the, these are not just names, like a nickname or something to refer to Jesus, but these are names that, that, that attempt to describe who he really is. And when I say attempt, it's just our language falls short, doesn't it? Our minds, I mean, we're created beings trying to understand uh, uh, an all-eternal, all-knowing God. And so we will fall short <laughs> at some point, but we can at least get an idea maybe of what's being said. So let's take that first word, wonderful. Anybody watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life and during the holiday season? Most people. I tried a Jimmy Stewart impression in the first service. It didn't go well, so I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. No, no. It's bad, right? Is that not it? It's bad. Okay. Maybe I got to do more. All right. Next, next year, I'll do the whole, like a whole thing from the movie. But man, tough crowd. I didn't know it was that bad. Anyway, um, so wonderful. This word wonderful. We use wonderful all the time, don't we? Probably at Thanksgiving time when the turkey came out or that piece of pumpkin pie or whatever your favorite pie is. And you take that first bite and oh my goodness, this is wonderful, right? We use wonderful to describe everything. Um, I mean, I love, like, look at the decorations in here. I love the decorations at Christmas time. I love Christmas time. And, you know, and I, I say it all the time, that looks wonderful. Um, it was funny after the first service, because um, <laughs> I talked about this and how we use it, and, and you'll find out more about it soon. But then, then I caught some people, and they were saying wonderful, and they were catching themselves. And so they're going to be stuck all week probably with this the cycle, you know, every time they say wonderful, because really wonderful, um, uh, especially in scripture, it's, it's, it's very significant. It's not just thrown around. Um, it comes from the word pele, and it's, it's, uh, it's a Hebrew term that comes from a root that, listen to this, almost exclusively is used of the things that only God can do. Now, you may say my mom's apple pie is, you know, up there, and it's true, it can be, but, but in, in, in the context of, and this is where, let me just give you just a quick side note. When you study scripture, you've got to slow things down. Because we bring so much into scripture, don't we? We read a word and the way it's translated, you know, you can just immediately think of what your understanding of it is or that definition. But if it can fall shorter, you can miss the depth. And so here with this word wonderful to understand that it's usually only used to refer to the things that God can do. Because when, so when, when Hebrew readers would see this term, it would immediately alert them to the fact that something is being described that is beyond human capability. Let that sink in just for a second. That is beyond human capability. That you cannot touch that as a human being. And I think that's pretty significant here, and I think it's pretty pretty awesome too that that Jesus came as a baby that Jesus walked the earth as a man you know fully God fully man but yet he's given this term wonderful counselor that he's given this term that again is beyond human capability even though he was walking as a human but to, to I think recognize the God side of him and to recognize who he was I think this word wonderful just completely uh, encapsulates that. And uh, another way to, to describe it too, this wonderful is extraordinary um, or magnificent, right? So again, when we hear this term wonderful counselor, wonderful, this extraordinary, right? Extraordinary, um, beyond what we can do, magnificent, all of these words apply in that, in that one word, wonderful. And then we move to 
the second word of, of this, this name, wonderful counselor. And counselor, um, it comes from the term yawets, and it translates as counselor, and it means who advises, who instructs, or guides, or gives wisdom, or gives wisdom. Now, again, we've probably heard this term counselor a lot, right? It's a very common term in our day and age. Um, many of us maybe have gone to a counselor at different times for different things. Um, maybe we know somebody, and, and more and more it's become more prevalent, and that's, that's great. It's great to have counselors. Um, another place we could go is, is to Scripture, and you think of maybe King Solomon, right? King Solomon had a, a tremendous amount of wisdom, and he would actually sit there, and, and, and people would come to the, him with their problems or with their, their issues, and God had given him wisdom to be able to, to resolve these things. And so that's another kind of uh, picture we can have in our mind when we think of this word, counselor. So again... But we need to remember that this is, this is God. He's not just a counselor in the sense of like somebody that we go and share our problems with. He's much, much more. You see, God is different than just a regular counselor because really a, a regular counselor cannot change our problems necessarily. Our, a regular counselor can give us advice, can give us wisdom, can help us process through, and, and hopefully through that time, they can ultimately lead to some sort of uh, change in us, and it ultimately changes our situation. But a lot of times, we have to change that situation, don't we? The beauty of Jesus being given this, this word counselor, again, is that he is so much more than just that. Why? Because he has the power and he has the authority to change the situation. He has the ability, why? Because he has walked in our shoes, so to speak, right? Again, most counselors maybe haven't experienced your specific challenge. They may have studied it. They may have helped other people with it. So they have a knowledge and understanding of it. But they, they maybe haven't experienced it that, them themselves. And so, you know, again, why is, this, why is Jesus so amazing in this term so... Um, uh, again, wonderful, right? Can we use that? And it's because, first, because he is God, and also he understands. And to go along again with this line of thinking that he understands and has walked in our shoes, in Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, it says it this way. It says, therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now listen to verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I don't know about you, but that really encourages me today. That encourages me that, that again, he has been 